0: I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today. And always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service.
1: Praise God. Well, I've got just a couple things to share with you real quickly. I'm going to fast forward this part because I won't fast forward the Word. Uh, I've done that before, and going to do it again. And uh, so we're going to take time with the Word today. Praise God. You know, man, I am, I am thrilled uh, just to see what God is doing. Praise God. Praise God. But next Sunday, as part of our service, we will be doing water baptism. So if you want to be baptized with water, there is a sign-up list out on the counter in the foyer. Please sign your name there and give me a contact number so I can get a hold of you and uh, just confirm on that. And uh, so do that. Secondly, tonight from 6 to 7.30 is leadership training. If you are a leader, want to be a leader, or you just want some good leadership skills, praise God, that's what this is all about is is our, our training. And we've been doing this uh, the first uh, Sunday evening of every month. And, uh, you know, everyone, I'll just say everyone's invited, okay? And, uh, and we just want to welcome you to come. But if you are a leader, it is imperative that you come to leadership training. Otherwise, we don't know where we're leading to. Praise God. Um, and then thirdly, I want to mention on November 30th, we have an opportunity to go to Pakistan again via Zoom call. And uh, no, I'm not buying a plane ticket, but uh, we are going via Zoom to Pakistan. We, have, we asked the Lord at the beginning of this year for 2,000 souls for this year. And so the, the, the year kicked off gangbusters. And uh, within the first couple of months, we were at about 1,500 souls. And that has, uh, since that time, we've seen a few along the way, but, but nothing like it was at the very beginning. We have an opportunity. Uh, Pastor John David, that we, we work with on these Pakistan calls, has uh, told me that they're doing a crusade in an area where the Christians are suffering tremendous persecution. In Pakistan, they've burned churches down. They've done things like this, and so he's saying that uh, uh, they're expecting about 2,000 people in this meeting. And uh, so, uh, considering the 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 record going forward, we expect that this is going to put us way over our goal of 2,000 souls. And it's not all about the goal. It's not all about uh, the number of souls but that just gives us you know it, it gives us an expectation praise God and so we're going to do that but not only that is since we have been doing these calls uh, in early 2020 we started doing these calls and working with with Pastor John there in Pakistan since we've been doing that we have seen literally thousands of souls come to Jesus and uh uh, secondly, we have seen hundreds of people receive healing for their bodies. Praise God. We have, we have had reports of, of miraculous healings, of tumors disappearing. We have had people that, that were lame get up and walk. We have had people that were deaf hear. We have had uh, sight restored. We have had very miraculous kinds of healings that have taken place and that have been reported to us. And so, November 30th, we have another opportunity. Now, what does that have to do with you? First of all, I want you to pray. I want you to to, to pray for souls, for hearts to be open to hear and receive the gospel and, res- and, and 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 to respond to it. And then secondly, I want to ask you to help me send some Bibles. We need to put Bibles in the hands of the people that are going to be receiving Jesus. Praise God. And uh, I don't know what the current cost of that is, but last, last we knew about it, it was approximately $6 per Bible. And so whatever you want to do in that way to help send Bibles to, to Pakistan, uh, we appreciate it. And uh, I know that the people of Pakistan will appreciate it. And furthermore, I know the Lord Jesus will appreciate it. Praise God. And so we're going to get into the Word today. Hallelujah. And uh, turn to the book of Malachi. Who has their Bible? We, we bring Bibles to church, right? That's, that's, uh, that's this is not the only place to use your Bible. But, uh, but this is a good place to bring it. Praise God. So you can check out what I'm saying and make sure I'm telling you the truth. Praise God. And so, go to Malachi, and how many of you could just quote without looking? How many of you could quote a verse from Malachi? Okay, about four people in here could quote a verse from Malachi. Uh, you know, let me let me put the challenge out. Read Malachi. I read it this morning. Okay. Um, so that mean, what I mean by that, that's not to brag. That's just to say it doesn't take that long to read it, uh, to read the book of Malachi. And you say, well, isn't that the Old Testament? And aren't we under grace? Aren't we supposed to be under the new? Well, yes, that is true. It is Old Testament. We are under grace. We're not under the Old Testament anymore. But how many know that the Bible is relevant to us we have to know how to read it. We have to, know how to re- we have to know how to read it based on where we are. You see, the, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it, it, um, the application of it, because we're under grace and not under law, the application of it has now changed. But we, but the the Old Testament still holds truths for us, and types and shadows, and and if we learn to read it as New Testament grace believing believers, praise God, Jesus following believers, uh, we've got to learn, you know, how to read it accordingly. Praise God. And so we're going to look at Malachi because the Lord began to speak to me out of this book of the Bible. And most people, um, and I, I was hoping there would be about half the room that would raise their hands that could quote one verse from Malachi. But uh, I was going to ask, okay, which one did you quote? And I, I dare say that most people that that could quote a verse from Malachi could quote verse number chapter 3 verse number 10 bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house saith the Lord and prove me herein saith God if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it and most Christians that can quote from Malachi know that verse and it's sad that many of them don't know any more than that but they know that one verse let me give you a new one here to memorize, okay? And, and I want you to look at the first chapter, the second verse. And the reason I want you to look at this one is because of how it starts off. In fact, I, I'm not even going to ask you to, to uh, memorize the whole thing, just the first part of it. The first part of verse number 2, chapter 1 says i have loved you says the lord i have loved you says the lord most Christians think the book of Malachi is all about tithing it's all about their money it's all about bringing offerings but he tells us here with his very these are the Lord's very first words in this book of the Bible through the prophet Malachi he says i have loved you you. So I want you to read this book with the understanding, the Lord loves you. So everybody say it with me the, me, the Lord loves me. Let's say that one more time convincingly. The Lord loves me. Praise God. Praise God. Now, God began to show me some things out of this chapter. In fact, if we um or out of this book, if we look at chapter 3, and yeah, this is the one that I said you could probably quote from, um, but chapter 3, and in verse number 8, he says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, and now notice here how he's stating this. He's saying, You're saying this, um, you know, and I say, Will a man rob God? But you say, in response, how have we robbed you? You In fact, in that first uh, chapter, verse number 2, he says, I have loved you, yet you say, in what way have you loved us? If you have loved us, see, how many Christians today are saying, well, you say the Lord loves me, well, in what way has he loved me? How has he loved me? You know, I'm still having trouble. I'm still having problems. I'm still, you know, challenged in life. So how is it that you say the Lord loves me? Now, all the way through, it's only four chapters in the book of Malachi, and all the way through this book, the the Lord deals with that issue. God makes a statement, and then the people say, he says, but you have said... Well, how how is that? How is that? Will a man rob God? Well, in what way have we robbed you? And the next thing that he says, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Now, notice what he did not say. This is how we have read this. This is how I read this for many years. In in what way have we, we robbed you? By withholding the tithes. But that's not what it says. He says, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. You have robbed me in tithes and offerings. He didn't say, you have withheld the tithes and offerings. He said, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. So in the process of bringing your tithes and offerings into the storehouse... The way that you are doing that, you have robbed me. So if we're bringing the tithes, how are we robbing God of tithes and offerings? He's not saying you robbed me of tithes and offerings. There's something else you have robbed me of in the way that you bring them. Now let's look at are what, what tithes and offerings all about? What, what is the purpose of tithes and offerings? You know, and, and, and some people would say, that, uh, well, tithes, that's under the Old Covenant. That's under the law. And you would be right. It is. But did you know that Abraham tithed before the over 400 years before the law was given? So is tithe just a law thing or is it something that's for us today? We want the blessing of Abraham, right? You know? Everybody want to be blessed with faithful Abraham? Jesus is called the seed of Abraham, not seeds, but seed as of one. Not seeds as of many, but seed as of one. And so we want the blessing of Abraham. We want to be blessed with faithful Abraham. But but then we want to say, well, tithing was under the old. And so we don't have to do that anymore. That was under the law. Well, it was under the law, but it was also before the law. Now, what was the purpose of tithe? And the story goes like this. In the book of Genesis, Abram Abraham had received news that his nephew Lot had been carried away in battle. And so he put together an army of his household servants and he went after these kings that had taken Lot as a prisoner of war. And he went after them and he overthrew those kings. And God gave him the victory. There was no denying that the victory that Abraham won over these kings was the work of God. And so Abraham rescued Lot took him back and as he returned from the battle with the spoils of the battle he returned and um, the the scripture says that one Melchizedek came out and met him he says, Melchizedek was priest of the Most High God but he was a type if you read the book of Hebrews we find out that Melchizedek was a type of Jesus Christ and in Melchizedek the reason is that nobody knew where he came from he was the he was the king of Salem which Salem means peace and Salem at Abraham's time actually became Jerusalem okay so he was the king of prehistoric uh or not prehistoric but but the the early Jerusalem before it was known as Jerusalem he was the king, and he comes out, and he offers, a, a, a brings bread and wine, and he gives Abraham bread and wine, and bread, he was, there's, here's a type of the broken body of the Lord Jesus. That's why we partake of the bread at communion, to remember the broken body of Jesus. Uh, wine, the, to to celebrate the blood of Jesus. Now, this is the... Uh, thousands of years before Jesus came and, and gave his life and so um, Melchizedek comes out he brings bread and wine and, and um, he blesses Abraham and Abraham gives him a tithe of all, a tithe of all the spoils of the battle. Now why did he why did Abraham do that? He did that to recognize, in fact, one, one king said he, he came out and he told uh, Abraham, he said, just, you know, you know, you go ahead and take all the spoils of the battle. Just give me the, just give me the people. Just give me the, the, the ones that you have taken captive. Just give them. And, and uh, Abraham says, I won't even take a shoe latchet from you. He says, because I don't want it to be misunderstood that you have made Abraham rich. He says, it is God, I have lifted my hand to the Lord Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that it is He who has made me rich. And so when Abraham brought out the, uh, or or gave the tithe to Melchizedek, he gave it to To recognize and acknowledge that God, Most High, is the one who had given him the victory and who had made him rich. Now, let me ask you this: Has that changed under grace? Is it is somehow you got your wealth? You say, "Well, I'm not wealthy." Oh my goodness, you are too. You are too. You know, you, you woke up this morning, you know, you probably ate breakfast. You probably got to go a uh, place to go take a nap, you know, this afternoon. You're rich, all right? How How'd you get that way? The Lord Most High has made you rich. Praise God. Praise God. And so, um, you know, Abraham gives a tithe of all. He lifts his hand, and he says... I give this tithe to acknowledge that it is the Lord Most High that has made me rich. Now, what had they done in the book of Malachi? When they brought the tithe, they did not honor the Lord with the tithe. It had simply become a law, a commandment. It had simply become law. What they were commanded to do, so they did it. And in fact, we know they brought, that they brought uh, at least part of the tithe. Malachi 3 tells us to bring all the tithe into the storehouse, not just part of it, but they had brought at least some of it. Because here in, in the book of Malachi, he says, he says, You have brought to me that which was blind. You brought to me sacrifices that were, that were blind, you know. You went out to choose a sacrifice to bring to me, and you picked out the one in your flock that was blind. And you picked out the one that was sick. You picked out the one that, you, you know, was no good to you. You picked out the one that, that the wolves had attacked and that the wolves had, had, had nearly killed. That's the one you picked out and you brought that to me. Now offer that to your governor and tell me if he's, ex- he's going to accept that. And that's, that's what he's dealing with in the book of Malachi. He says, you brought that to me. He says, you have said it is, it is burdensome to follow the Lord. You know, oh, it's a burden to follow the Lord. And so... What they had robbed Him from was His honor. Was His honor. And many times today, you see the people that are saying, well, I'm under grace and I don't have to tithe. They're taking away the honor. They're taking away the honor. The Lord still wants honor. In fact, that's what grace is all about, is honoring Him as the source of all we have. Honoring Him that He gave first you see, a tithe is a tenth. It's a, that's what the word means. It means a tenth, a tenth part. And so when, when, we, um, you know, when, when we bring the tithe and we say, Lord, here I honor you with a tenth part of everything that I have, of everything that you have blessed me with, and then those that are under grace say, Well, I don't have to do that anymore. If you're saying, I don't have to do that anymore, you've already robbed him of his honor. Grace is about saying that I, God, you are the one that has blessed me. You are the one who has saved me in spite of myself. You are the one who gave first. See, a tenth, or a tithe is a tenth of your increase And so if you don't have any increase, your tithe is how much? Zero, right? If you didn't have any increase, then you have nothing to tithe. And so the very fact that you have something tells me you were blessed first we got to realize that all of the blessing we have did not come because of you or, or because you did something. Let me put it that way. Yes, it came because He loved you, but it did not come because you gave something. It did not come because you brought the tithe. You brought the tithe because He gave to you first. And that's what we have to realize, and that's what grace is all about. I love the Lord because He loved me first. I give to God because He gave me something to give first. I serve the Lord because He gave me the ability to serve. I I serve the Lord because He put breath in my lungs and I have the ability to serve Him. So when we give just so we can get something back, We've missed the whole point. We have missed the thanksgiving part. We have missed the honor part. Let's look at this. He says, verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord, and that's why He gave. And then in in, uh, um, chapter 1, verse number 6, notice this. He says, a son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? If then I am your father, where is my honor? We call him Father God, but do we give him the honor that he is is deserving of because he is our father? Do we give to him a a recognition of what I have? What what did God caution Joshua about when they were about to go into the promised land? He said, when you've come into the land, when you have partaken of all the good things of the land, the good part of the land, he says, don't say in your heart, "The, the power and the might and the strength of my hand has gotten me this wealth. He says, you shall remember the Lord your God that it is He who has given you the power to get wealth. You see, what does God want? Does God need your money? Nope. He doesn't. He says through the psalmist, he says, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. He says, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. That's that's what God said. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. He said, because the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. And so, why would God need your money? He doesn't need your money. What He wants, see, how could they rob God of money by not bringing the tithe? Because it's not money God wanted. It is the recognition. It is the acknowledgement that He is our source. Is God an egomaniac that needs His ego stroked every once in a while? No. No. Do, does, do, does God need that? No. He See, here's what we got to get back to. Chapter 1, verse 2, I have loved you. How have you loved us? I gave you something you can tithe. I gave you blessing. I gave you my goodness. I poured out all I've provided for you. You know, it's kind of like the it's kind of like the kid that you know the the teenager has been well provided for their entire life. Well taken care of. You know, they got all the They've got the shoes they want. They've got the jeans they want. They've got the car they want. They want all this stuff that they want. It's been well provided for them. They're well fed. They sleep in a nice comfy bed every night. And then when the parent says, I need you to clean your room, they go in the room, they throw everything under the bed and come out griping saying, you know, you just want me, uh, I'm not your slave. I just all I did is ask you to clean your room. Yeah, and I cleaned it. Just stuffed it under the bed. You know, you didn't clean the room. And this is what the 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 people in Malachi were doing. They were come kind of say, "Okay, God, you wanted this. Well, we brought it." Yeah, but it was sick. It was lame. It was broken down. It was half eaten by wolves. And that's what you brought me. He said, return to me. How are you going to return to... to, how, How shall we return to you? In tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. You return by bringing... You see, the tithe is not just a tenth. It is the first tenth. You recognize God first. Now... Pastor Jason is talking next week about giving, and I don't know where he's going with that, but I know that's what he's talking about. And so, I, you know, I don't want to belabor this point of, of of giving. My message is actually about serving. And so, let's take this principle of the tithe over into our serving. How do we serve the Lord? How do we? serve the lord do we honor him with our service do we honor him in how we serve notice they didn't dishonor the lord by not bringing the tithe they dishonored the lord in how they brought the tithe how they presented the tithe and once again if you're saying but I don't have to you've already dishonored him it's not about have to it's about I love you, Lord. I appreciate I'm grateful for what you have done for me, and therefore, I want to bring this to you. Now, in in the area of service, it's, well, do I have to serve? Do I have to, you know, give my time? Oh, you know, I'm just going to show up late. I'm just going to, maybe I'll show up and maybe I won't. I'm going to halfway do the job. Well, I know that pastor asked me to teach this class, but, you know, here I, I'm working with these little brats in here, and, uh, you know, man, I know more than they do anyway, so I don't need to prepare. That's not how Alberta and B.C. uh That's not how they think, okay? Let me just tell you that. I I know they don't think that. They love your little... No, I mean, they love your kids. They love your children. Uh, (laughs) I'm just teasing. I was just trying to make you laugh. All right? It worked. Uh, But, uh, you know, that's that's not how they see it. They don't see your kids as little brats. They see your kids as little blessings. Praise God. And they see their responsibility. You know, it, it is um it, it's pretty regular that they come and say we had so-and-so accept Jesus as their Savior in in class today and uh, you know when, when when they do that they say but I think they are this this kid already did this six times all right and, and uh, but you know what that's okay that's okay. Sometimes I remember Pastor Jason, at, he accepted Jesus as his savior at about two years old. But he went to a kids crusade once, and he, um, I think the, if I recall correctly, the um, was it Pockets the Clown or was it uh, anyway uh, that was doing the kids crusade. And uh, in, in, the, in the kids' crusade, they gave an invitation to receive Jesus. At two years old, he went forward to receive Jesus. And then later, he went forward in kids' class again to receive Jesus. And we asked him, we said, uh, didn't you receive Jesus during the kids' crusade? And he said, I'm, I'm going to say it was pockets just for the, for the Sake of advertisement or, or uh, illustration is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and Pockets the clown, we know that he, he came several times to the church we were attending the kids' crusades. And so he said, Didn't you receive Jesus during the kids' crusade? He said, Yeah, but I just want to meet Pockets. He's <laughs> two years old. <laughs> and, and so. It, it's okay that kids come time after time after time after time, and, and you know maybe they understood something they didn't understand the time before. Maybe they saw, you know, and, and so, so that's okay. Sometimes as adults, we need to we need to learn a little bit more, uh, you know, that when you accept Jesus as your Savior, I, I'm not saying that that you're going to always be perfect and walk perfect, you know, in, in, in everything. But uh, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so I expect that He's never going to leave me or forsake me. Praise God. Now, I, I might, I, I might walk away from following Him. I might, you know, I might go the other way. But you know what? He follows me when I do. He goes after me. He pursues me. Praise God. And so, um, with, with that being said, that was a little off track. But I want us to understand that when we serve the Lord, we serve the Lord because we love Him. If I'm your father, then where is my honor? That's what He says. How, how do we serve the Lord? Do we serve Him with all of our heart? Do we serve Him just when we get up in the morning and we feel like it do we serve him just be you know many people that they're up and down roller coaster in their christian life in their walk with the lord and they they're on a roller coaster because they live their life according to feelings and if we serve god only when we feel like it you know, what can you expect? Because one day you feel like it. Tomorrow you might not feel like it. See, there is a decision that we've got to make, and the decision we have to make is God's Word is always true. Jesus Christ is always the same. He never changes. He is the same yesterday Today and forever. He doesn't wake up in the morning and say, Oh, what am I going to do today? Who am I going to save today? Who am I going to heal today? What am I going to do today? We think that way, but he doesn't think that way. In fact, God is eternally existent, meaning that God is what he was, and he will be what he is. Praise God. And He did what He is doing. And He will do what He is doing. Praise God. And so when, when, um, when we come to God and we ask Him to do something, often He'll say, I already did. Because He is eternally existent. God's not going to do something today. Now, You say, maybe some of you are about to quote the Scripture that says, I will do a new thing. Well, what he means by that, he doesn't mean he's going to do something he's never done before. What he means is he's going to manifest something new in the earth today. God is not on a, uh, uh, does not function in the realm of time like we think. God functions in an eternal realm. That's why when we depart this life, we will spend eternity with the Lord. Praise God. Because there there is not a time schedule in in, in eternal things. That's why the Scripture says, He is the same yesterday, today, today. And forever, praise God, because He's not on a time schedule like we think of it. Praise God. Now, so so so, what does that mean exactly? You know, does God? Uh, well, God functions. He he invades our space. Our space has a time schedule. Our space has yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Our schedule has time past and present and time future. God's is eternally existent. Praise God. But for Him to relate to you and to me, He invades our time space or comes into our time space. 2,000 years ago, according to our time, Jesus was nailed to a cross. But before time began, Jesus in the mind of God was already nailed to the cross. Do you get that? Do you see what I'm saying? So when we try to talk God into something, you're never going to talk God into something because He either did it or He didn't. we're not going to talk Him into doing something. So when we come to God saying, Well, God, I did this, therefore you must do this. No, God already did what He's going to do. Praise God. But then there comes a time when it manifests in our time-limited realm. Praise God. So we serve the Lord because He has been good to us. We serve Him because we love Him. We serve Him because we want to honor Him. Praise God. Now, go to Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to switch gears here for a minute. We're going to go a little bit different direction. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Verse number five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. Now, notice here, Jesus, it says, though He was in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's another way of saying He was God. Jesus was God. He was in in the timeless realm. He was in the God realm, the, the realm of eternity. But there came a point in time on our schedule... When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. So Jesus humbled Himself and He took on our time limit. He humbled Himself and He took on Himself our limitations. When He took on Himself our limitations, He took upon Himself the fact that He could be at one place at one time. He took on the fact that he could not, in and of himself... Now, as God, he could do anything he wanted to do. And God, he, as God, he was a creator. The Bible says all things were made by him and for him, and, and, and without him, nothing was made that was made. He is the creator. He was in the beginning. John tells us in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and came and dwelt among us. So the Word, He took on all of our limitations and He came and dwelt in this world, in this time-limited space. He came and dwelt here among us and as a man... He could not just do anything He wanted to do. As a man, He had to do things the way we do things. This is why when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness after 40 days of fasting, he, how many think it would be natural to be hungry after 40 days of fasting? I'm hungry after 40 minutes of fasting. You know, so uh, He was hungry after 40 days of of fasting, and so the tempter came to him. the The devil came to him, and he said, "If you're the son of God, then command these stones to be made into bread." Well, how many know that's not the normal way we get our bread? Anybody turning any stones into bread lately? That, that's <laughs> that's that's not the normal way we get we get our bread, you know, um, and so. Jesus, He came to this earth to be the Son of Man. That's why almost exclusively, not not totally exclusive, but almost exclusively, He refers to Himself as the Son of Man. Not the Son of God, but as the Son of Man. And and you'll, you'll see here in a moment why this was so important, but He came as the Son of Man, and the sons of men don't just turn stones into bread but he came to function as a man, so therefore he had to wait to break that fast until he could get some bread the way people get bread. And so, um, you know, if at any time he decided, I'm going to function like God, you know, "and, and use my God, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be God for a moment now, and I'm just gonna go ahead and turn these stones into bread. If if he had done that, he would have blown the whole plan. The plan was that he would come to this earth, he would take our place, he would become us here on this earth, he would die on a cross as us. What did Jesus say about? You know, he compared himself to to Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. And he said this. He said, you know, uh, that if I be lifted up from the from the earth, I will draw all to me. Jesus said, now the prince of this world is judged. Let, let me just go through this whole thing with you really, really quick. Okay? Jesus comes to this earth. planning to go to the cross. But if he goes there as God, it means nothing because the judgment that was due was on you and I. The judgment that was due was on man, the offspring of Adam. The judgment was due to the son of men, not the son of God. So as the son of man, he had to go and hang on the cross. I mean, do you really think that it would have been any big deal for God to hang on the cross? No big deal. No big deal at all. But he had to hang there as a man. The judgment was due to fall on man. You and I were created to be the rulers of this place. That's what God said in Genesis 1, verse number 26. He says that. That he created man in his image and likeness, and he gave him dominion over all the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, everything that creeps on the earth. He gave him dominion to rule. God created us to rule this place. Hallelujah. And so you were created to be the ruler of this world. Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he says of it, he says, now the ruler of this world is judged. He wasn't talking about the devil. I know the, the Apostle Paul calls him the prince of this age or the ruler of this age, but that's not who Jesus was talking about at this time. Jesus was talking about the rightful ruler, not the usurped ruler of this world. He was talking about the rightful ruler of this world, which was the sons of men. And he says now, talking about hanging on the cross, he says now the judgment of the ruler of this world, the the now the ruler of this world is judged. Okay, I can speak. Um, now the ruler of this world is judged. Praise God. Now the ruler of this world. In, in other words, he says, "Now the Son of Man was judged on the cross." He said, "If I be lifted up, I will draw all of the judgment that is due to man to myself." Praise God. And when we begin to recognize what He has done for us, that He became limited to our world so we could be the righteousness of God in Him. Praise God. He became limited and took our place. He hung on a cross so the judgment doesn't have to fall on you, but it fell on Him. And sometimes we fail to recognize what he did. But when we realize what he did, what did, he, what did Malachi say? He said, if I'm a father, where's my honor? He said, if I'm a master, then, then where's, where's my honor? And see, many times the way that we serve God is dishonoring to the Father, is dishonoring to the Master. Is diso- and then we wonder, you know, we're saying, my hand got me this. But when we bring the tithe, we're saying, God, we recognize what you did. When we serve We recognize Jesus, you humbled yourself. What did he say there in Philippians? Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. How was Jesus thinking? Was Jesus thinking, I'm going to give the bare minimum? No. Jesus willingly gave all. He willingly gave all. And because he willingly gave all, All The person who understands grace realizes he willingly gave all. The person who understands grace says there is no way I can give the minimum. The person who understands grace says there's no way I can halfway serve. This is my life. I give my life for this, not because he demands my life, He gave His life with no strings attached. So it's not because He's demanding my life. No, it is because He gave His life with no strings attached that I want to give my life. This is what grace is all about. Grace is not about the minimum. What can I get away with? What can I not do? What can I halfway do? That is not an understanding of... That is a law mentality. In fact, the people of Malachi, at the time of Malachi's writing, they had been under the law for 1,100 years. And at the time of Jesus' coming, make that 1,500. Because at the time of Malachi's writing, 1,100 years, then God became silent, and for 400 years, God was silent. And then he sent Jesus into the world. Praise God. In fact, Malachi talks about, he says, I'm going to send a messenger before you. I'm going to send one to prepare the way. He's talking about John the Baptist would come into the world and he would prepare the way for Jesus. Praise God. And John the Baptist came into the world, but but 400 years prior to that, God How many of you, you know, how many of you would notice if God was silent? You know, if He don't ever talk to you anyway, maybe He's talking, maybe you're not listening. Maybe He's talking, maybe you're not hearing. But I'm telling you, for 400 years, He was silent. He did not speak to the people. There was not a prophet with a word from the Lord for 400 years then Jesus comes on the scene but here's what we see 1100 years had produced this 1100 years of law did not make the people better 1100 years of the law made them say I did this you know God, you're just asking for my stuff. God, you're asking for my money. God, you're asking... Now, the reason I say that is because today, now we're 2,000 years beyond the cross. We're 2,000 years beyond God giving His Son Jesus on the cross. And now people are saying, my hand got me this wealth. I worked hard for that. I'm not going to just give that to some preacher. I'm not going to just give that to some church. I'm not going to just waste my time down there at the church every day. I'm just not going to spend all my time serving. I'm just I'm not going to show up when they need help because, after all, it's my time. After all, it's my only day off. So... 1,100 years of law produced this. 2,000 years of law preaching has produced what we see in the church today. Praise God. When we understand what Jesus did for us, where's my honor, he says. Where's my honor? Do you honor me in your service Do you honor me with what you give? Do you honor me with your finances? Do you honor me with your life? And when we get grace, obviously law didn't get it. Law did not accomplish what needed to be accomplished. Praise God. I am so glad to know that He gave demanding nothing from me. Now I am, did you know you can't give? You know, how many of you went down to the water department this this month and you said, here, I'm going to give you this money just because I want you to be honored. So I'm going to give you this money. They would laugh at you and you know you owe them that money did you realize you can't give the tithe i mean you you I, 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 no let me let me say that i said that wrong you can't pay the tithe that's what i meant to say you can't pay the tithe you can only give the tithe You realize that your service to the Lord, if He's demanding it, it is payment. But if He is not demanding it, but you give it, it is honor to Him. They weren't dishonoring the Lord by withholding the tithe. They were dishonoring the Lord in how they brought it. Book of Malachi, see what I'm talking about. It's how we give it. It is how we serve. You serve with your heart or do you serve out of necessity? This is why the apostle Paul said God loves a cheerful giver. He said, let each one give as he purposes in his heart. I guarantee you if understand what Jesus did for you your heart will purpose more than 10% your your heart will purpose more than just showing up for church and sitting in, in the chair you but give as you purpose in your heart serve as you purpose in your heart not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver God loves a giver A a, a server that serves because he loves.
0: to stand with us as worship.
1: Lord and Savior. I'm going to give you that opportunity today. Praise God. Jesus came, took your place, became you, went to the cross, paid the penalty for all of your sins. Having completed the payment completed the transaction of the payment for all of your sins, he rose from the dead. He walked out of the grave. And all he asks from you today is to believe that and receive that. The Apostle Paul said it this way in in, uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I'm going to ask you to confess that today. I'm going to ask you to confess what you believe today. Maybe you've confessed it a thousand times. Maybe you've never confessed it. You will do so today if you're doing it for the first time when we say amen at the end of it. If you mean what you said, then according to God's word, you'll be saved. So let's all confess this today. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus, that he died on a cross for me, paid the penalty for all my sins, and then you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today I put my trust in Jesus for my salvation. I call you Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen.